Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. This is one of the many great quotes and reminders of Martin Luther King Jr. Today's episode is a conversation about color in our industry. The conversation is with Bill Rawlings, a member of the Board of Directors for the National Association of Realtors and the Executive Strategist and Senior VP for Atlanta Fine Homes, Sotheby's International Realty. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. Hi, everybody. I have the consent to being recorded. Wow. We, oh, you did? Oh, I don't even know it. I'm so glad. It yeah, so it that. prompts you to say you're going to be recorded. But Everybody I guess that's because in other states, because you could legitimately do it in Georgia without my consent, because you know yeah. you're being recorded. Right. Well, what I love is usually I say, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast. Welcome, Bill Rawlings, to the show. But I kind of like that I just did that now. And now everybody, we're recording. And today is going to be a little bit of a different interview. Um, I think we're going to see where this goes. So I want to introduce you first. This is Bill Rawlings. He is the executive strategist and senior vice president here in Atlanta for Atlanta Fine Homes, Sotheby's International Realty. And more relevant to our interview today, you are also a board of directors for the National Association of Realtors. That is correct, yes. Yeah, so welcome to the show. Today, we're, I really brought you on the show. Well, thanks for having me back. Yeah, oh, by the way, everybody, listen to the last interview. <laughs> Before 100, I should have looked you up. But it, we've recently played a rerun of you. It was vintage. It was vintage. They'll go back and it's, and it's on the classic reel now. Right, really. Do you have, <laughs> um, do you remember your line? 100%. I cannot it? instill passion in somebody. I can only motivate somebody with, that has passion. You said it better. Or something along those lines. It was better. But you said, I cannot instill passion. That's right. Well, because I wasn't practicing it. It just had to come out. Right. Like, obviously, this is going to be a very raw conversation. Which that's is that's the way it should be. I think those are the best ones, especially in the times that we're in. Which is a little bit about what today is about. So you and I had some recent conversations, and this is a topic I think that the whole world really cares about. Um, it's something I get a little emotional about, and it's very difficult to talk about. And the first thing that comes to mind well, I'm going to say what we're talking about. We're going to talk about there's been a lot of attention brought to the world, especially in the United States of America, on race. And there's been a lot of talk about racism. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, there's so many perspectives that are out there. And in our industry, there's two points of relevance. As human beings, I think we just all care wholeheartedly about this topic. And I also think that as people in our industry on a less emotional, heartfelt, but practical level, there are people that are wondering, you know, what are the rules? What do I say? How do I say it? And candidly, my concern with that is let's all make sure we remember we're people. But before we jump too much to that, we really wanted to bring you on because I think a lot of people have had a lot to think about. Um, and you've got a perspective as 
a board of directors on the National Association of Realtors of things that are happening in our industry, things that you've seen, stories that have happened that we're a little bit oblivious to um, that might help us relate to stories in our own lives that we might be a little bit oblivious to. Um, and that being said, I'm going to go ahead and call the white elephant out a little more. We're both not people of color. No, I'm going to say it better. We are white. We are white people. So we do right. not experience. We do have color, by the way. But that's right. We do I not much. experience the same things as our friends in the black community do. And I think that that is one of the challenges that our industry faces is that there, in our world also, is that there is a lot of discrimination out there that is not intentional because I think Jerry, as you mentioned before, you've got a good heart. I've got a good heart. Uh, however, deep down, there are things that I've been guilty of. I'm going to throw you under the bus too, that you've been guilty of that we all have um, because the awareness level is not where it needs to be in our country. You know, I think that the black community has come a very long way in terms of where they now stand versus, you know, those days back with slavery and Jim Crow laws and stuff like that. But guess what? The job is not over with. There is a lot still to be done. And we as leaders in our industry and speaking from somebody who's on the board at the National Association of Realtors have to work that much harder to um, take this time in our world where the focus is on this to help make sure that we are implementing the change that our world needs to be better. You know, we are better by being a blend of people from different um, races, frankly, different cultures and different lifestyles. You know, right now the, the focus tends to be on the black community, but guess what? There's a lot of discrimination that happens with our friends who are, are gay, lesbian, you know, the whole LGBT community in general. Um, and as well as LGBTQ, I could go on and on and on. There's a lot of, a lot of things out there that makes people different from one another. And what we have to focus on, Jerry, as a community is to see those all as independent puzzle pieces that together form this beautiful tapestry that we call the United States of America. And right now there's a lot of division out there that uh, doesn't need to be there. And so where I am pretty passionate about this, and this is because of me making mistakes, and this is because of me talking mm -hmm. to uh, my friends of color, et cetera, that we need to educate ourselves on experiences that some of our black friends have gone through and to learn from it. And when we see something wrong, it is imperative that we say something. So an example I would give you is, we all know that in the white community, we may be you know, having a conversation about that group of people, they collectively throwing people in a bucket. Well, first off, what we're doing right there is a problem um, because we are categorizing people based on the shade of color of their skin, which is um, inappropriate, you know, to begin with. Um, but we do it in our community and guess what? The black community does it about the white community too. We gotta get rid of that where color isn't what defines us. It is what makes us better um, as a whole. And so if we are around a situation or we hear something that is inappropriate, that is in fact racist, I think many people to avoid conflict will ignore it and not say anything. And that silence 
is really what causes the problem to be perpetuated because by being silent, you are, the person saying it is assuming that you agree with them. You kind of have done this little test where, where you think it's okay. And we know um, that it's not okay. And I think Jerry, I had shared a quote with you from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. before that's kind of apropos to that. Do you have that handy that maybe I you'd do. like to share? It's a beautiful quote and it's part of what influenced me to have this conversation with you when we talked about it. Um, but the quote is, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. In our humanity and our respect for one another as a whole matters more than anything. Um, I remember when I was in England where I felt like there was a lot more awareness of people's here. I never really thought I, I personally grew up in a lot of diversity and that I always like, you know, somebody's a different color, but you don't really think that, or I never thought, well, we're all American. Mm -hmm. And remember there was a different consensus, at least in my personal experience in England for almost a year. But on the flip side of that, I remember is talking to different people who had been in different countries. One thing they said about our country is that the one thing that's great about America is y'all can agree to just, they didn't say y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it would have had a different accent if they did. Right. And he was actually Indian. Um, but he said, mm -hmm. in America, you can all agree to disagree. And we can all agree to disagree because we have so much diversity in this country and we're so different. So how as a country can we as professionals and individuals, each of us own our power and own who we are and become a part of being that country where we can all agree to be different. We can all agree to disagree. Here at the end of the day, our country, right. our country is made up of immigrants that have come from all over the world to, to build this beautiful tapestry as I, as I phrased it before. And just because somebody came from one country over another country or one part of the world over another world does not make one better than, than somebody else. And I think where we're challenged is all of this conversation about color, unfortunately is a learned behavior. You know, we did not come out of the womb even acknowledging that that existed or knew that it existed. It's only um, culture that has allowed this to become part of the conversation. Now, I want to reiterate this now as we're going, I am no expert in this, don't claim to be an expert, um, because honestly, as a white man, I could not tell you what it feels like to, to live um, in a body with black skin. But what I do know through the friends that I have in fact confided in to try to learn is I've learned a lot of things that our friends in the black community and other black realtors, et cetera, go through that I never knew existed, Jerry, because I think I live in my naive world that, hey, you know, once um, segregation happened and, and the blacks were allowed to vote and- You mean integration? I'm integration, yes, pardon me, integration. Just saying. Thank, you anyway. for the, thank you for the correction. Right. Um, that, that these problems were solved. And in fact, while there have been a lot, of, there, a lot of headway has been made, there still is a lot of way to go forward. And meaning some of the things that I guess that I mean by that is I hear stories from, allow me to not say from realtors, but issues that realtors have caused with members of the community by not treating people equally. Um, and this happens in 2020. So an example of that, Jerry, where we as a, as a industry have got to get better is by 
you know, assuming that because of the color of somebody's skin, that we're going to suggest that they go to X neighborhood versus Y neighborhood because we believe they'd be more comfortable there. You know, well, that's called, that's called, I don't consider myself that refined in all of this knowledge right. of the code of, I mean, I don't if we were going to be legal, the term that is, is called steering. steering. It, it is called steering. You're absolutely right. And that's whether it's on rate, whatever people. it's on, we're not supposed right. to do it. But here's right. the thing. I think people believe that we don't, I think many white people, let me put it that way, don't believe that they are racist and therefore they don't think saying anything like that is, is problematic. And yet, in fact, what they are doing is quite racist and quite illegal. You know, we cannot make the determination for somebody else. And, and let's take it off of color just for the example that I'm going to do. It's no right. different than one of us saying, hey, you're going to like this school versus that school because they have a better sports program or arts program. It's not up for us to decide, you know, we have to empower the consumer with information and allow them to make the right decision. I think something that is important to bring up to you today is like, I don't think today there's, there are not very many people that you can say, and there was a time you tell me that this was the case where you could come out and say, look, like we're, we're all truly like, whatever color we all, we just, we truly, we, we, we have a country based on that foundation of that, but really and truly we believe that we should all, for example, it wasn't very long ago. I have parents who went to school. They can remember seeing, you know, water fountains that said black fountain or what blacks, whites there. It wasn't long ago that we had that today. We don't have that. Right. So I think there's the other side of it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, frustration because a lot of people will say you guys like we're integrated what's the problem and i think to your point is that it's yes we are and it's how do we without being condescending how do we without being undermining to one another as human beings in general how do we address these things how do we become self-aware without becoming overly conscious of color when we really that really shouldn't if you ask me, but I think what the challenge is like initially, even us talking about this, we had a hard time getting into this topic because it's so heated and there's, there is so much, um, uh, I'll choose to use the word frustration out there yeah. uh, related to it in differing viewpoints that we, many people are trying to solve this problem over social media, which frankly is a good place to communicate, um, or put positions out there, but it's not a good form of communication. And I think the way that we're going to get there, Jerry, is to actually have the relationships um, with people. And I know one of the things that, um, that I need to do a better job of is, you know, when you break bread with people at your, in your home at the table, you learn a lot about them and there's a tightness that's there. You know, we need to be better about inviting people of all different cultures, races, et cetera, into our homes and really get to know them as people. And instead, I think there's a lot of people who judge one another on the surface based on what somebody looks like. And again, we're in a sales environment where yeah. the first thing we tell people all the time is don't judge a book by its cover, you know? And that could be, again, not just race driven. It could be because somebody isn't dressed appropriately or they may not drive the right car but guess what they could afford that house so right we fall into the those car you would expect them to drive as realtors them. as well because you assume that um if somebody's looking at a two million dollar house they should drive xyz brand of car um and have x amount of money in the bank or dress a certain way and those are all assumptions and if you assumptions in general get us into trouble you know 
people have got to know individuals and build that relationship. And I think the way to get, help us move the needle forward in terms of race relations and just community relations in general, because I don't know if too many of our communities that are actually singularly one um, race or et cetera, we are hybrid. We've got to blend things together and appreciate and here's those members of the Indian community that you mentioned before, the Chinese community. And, you know, we're not, a, but a few years away, I believe from what I've heard of where the white Caucasian race is no longer going to be the majority race in the United States. So right. decisions and things like that have to be made in a much broader perspective. Well, and that's really what our country's founded on. So a couple of things, I'm going to quote a book to everybody, and then I want to bring back some of your experience that can help us is that there's a book called the code of an extraordinary mind. And it's a book about the stages of consciousness. And there's the first stage of consciousness where you just, it's, there's 12, but there's four like categories. And the first is like, you just believe what you're told. The second one's like, you realize like you can make things change a little bit for yourself. The third one is like, you can really make an influence on the world and get the world to revolve around you a little bit. And the fourth one is, well, the, no, that's the third one. Cause I'm going to start over y'all bear with me. The first one is I take the world for what it's worth. I got to get a job, get married, do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to die happy, and it's going to be fine. The second stage of consciousness, and this is getting back to the point of this topic. The second one is, hey, I can be an entrepreneur. I could be a realtor. Most realtors are in that stage. I can make things happen for me, and the world can move around a little bit. The third one is more deeply involved. I, I'm a tool. You know, I'm part of a bigger picture. And the fourth one is like, if you ever become maybe the Dalai Lama or Buddha or Jesus Christ or truly enlightened time, you know, it's completely different stage of consciousness. I bring this up because the, that's what the book's about. But in the book, it talks about there are things that we believe that we don't know we believe. There are things that we swear by that are actually not true. He gets, you have to read it. Y'all are going to crazy but he talks about how much you know drinking water and he talks about cultures that don't have water and how they survive without water you just got to read it just this is a reputable book everybody and now i'm sounding crazy but that's the point and bringing that back to this topic is we all believe that we believe we're not racist and i don't care what color you are you can be racist whoever we are we all believe that what we think is right we all believe that that you know, and we do all believe on, at the surface of things in the human race. We all love one another. But apparently there are things we believe that we don't know we believe. And that right. those that come out subconscious. In, and those come out in our behaviors. So that, I think, is why this is so emotional and so heated. So really, I think what, you, what I want to, I hope we get, you can share with us today, and it may not be easy, is you have probably seen, especially like, you know, on a national level, being a board of, you know, you're on the board of directors for the National Association of Realtors, looking at many cultures, what are examples of where people truly meant no harm, truly had no idea, and you come into this situation where you've got, you've got people behaving in a way that does exhibit, racism is such a strong word, I hate to use it, but hurtful Let's right. see, racism has become too much of a label and an offensive word. Well, and that's, the, that's the problem. Actions. People hate that label. So they will yeah. say, I'm not a racist, but, and you know, following that, but right. is going to be some type of racist comment that they don't believe is racist, but it is, um, it honestly is a deep rooted 
racial or racistly biased feeling, but they don't want that label of being called a racist. So for whatever reasons, they feel comfortable saying, I'm not a racist. However, something will come out of their mouth that will be a completely racist comment, but they think that they have made it okay by by claiming not kind of saying that it's not. And I think a lot of times the behavior happens not only from strangers. And I think that's why people think they're not racist because they don't outwardly intend to make comments that are inappropriate. Um, but when they're with people of color that they are friends with, that is when things happen because they think they're buddies and they think they can um, well, and they and, and maybe slide in, in a means of trying yeah. to help them um, in one way or another. Like I'm talking about really in looking for a house or things like that, where you are, you know, directing somebody one way or another, or thinking that. And not, and a lot of times people don't know they're doing it. When it yeah. Elaine Richardson is an agent in our office. And I want to bring something up because a lot of people listening might be like, okay, you're two white people talking about the like black people. hundred percent. But if, 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 That's, we're not experts. But one reason why, but I think one, one or two reasons why we're having this conversation is, is listening to your interview um, with Elaine and some other, Elaine, Pilar, and Deshaun in our office. And Elaine said, and Greg, my husband, has been very involved with the black community in Atlanta, and it's been brought to his attention when he was like, before, they, before he really get, was gotten that perspective, what are you talking about? Like, really? But, but the point is, the people who can have the most influence on diversity are the people in the majority, which are the people who are Caucasian white people. So I think everybody, we recognize we're not black. I do. It is a very, very heartfelt topic for me because I do feel like I've been close to a lot of black people. And part of this conversation is hard because I don't like even labeling people in the first place. Right. But back to what people like, you know, who are really impacted like Elaine and gentlemen and that Greg works with in his industry is that the people, if you're a black person or whatever nationality it is that is a minority in the situation and you're the one claiming racism, you just look like an angry minority. Right. When you're the person who is the Caucasian and a member of that group, you're the person who has the influence. And for us, it is having you know, for all of us as a human race, let's be humble enough to look at ourselves and, 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 and recognize, like even in this conversation, I guarantee you I've already said five racist things at least, unknowingly. So at some point, how do we become but more Gary, aware? That's how do we become more sensitive? first step in the role that we can implement change is by right. acknowledging that it exists out there. Um, because I think that that's where I'm going to, I'll say it. I think six weeks ago, a lot of people in the white community, myself included, didn't really think that there was that big of a racist problem out there. It's only when this situation came to light um, that to, to many of us, because it got the focus it got on. It's not that George Floyd's loss of life was any more important than Armand Aubrey or, or Brielle from Louisville and some of the others that have gone out there. It's not that. It just the loss of life of George was caught on camera, okay? And it made it very apparent that there are differences in the way people are seen. And I think that needs to be the wake-up call for all of us and that he, we can no longer assume that the problem doesn't exist. And here's the thing, you know, I don't want to be insensitive, but at the end of the day, 
I can't, first of all, I can't watch the video because I really will, like, I'll even cry on camera right now. I, I've, I've seen hate in my life and I cannot hand, I will not watch it because it's so painful. On the flip side of that, I think the relevance is that in seeing that, 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 that sort of thing has been happened before it, 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 not to take away from that horrible murder, but the, the interesting thing and the thing that comes to light is the kind of response it had is, you know, it's how you respond to something that speaks volumes. Yeah. And when that occasion was responded to as that is racism and we will not have it, whatever that was, I don't know. But the fact that the response to it was that says volumes about what's going on in this country and how do we, first of all, let's, I would love to just stop all this and for us to all just be the human race together. But clearly there's a problem bigger than just doing that and just saying that and how do we address it? So give us some examples of things that have happened that you think you can share with us that were completely unconscious that have gone on and how we can be aware of it and change it. Um, so some things that I have, have seen, and these are things I've heard about from all across the country. So these are not things necessarily from within our company or the region, but just things that are kind of blatant. And that's like, and allow me to use you as an example. Let's just say, so I think you oh, no. real. Okay. let's just say that I um, was, you know, was referred a, a client who I learned to be, uh, you know, from searching about on the internet or I determined that there are, they're a black prospect. And I call you and say, hey, I don't want, I don't think I'm the right person to work with, with a black client because I don't understand that culture. They're more difficult to deal with or something like that. And you call a black agent of yours to say, hey, I've got a referral for you because I think you do a better job with them. You know, like saying that story, you see here how me stuttering, it's because I'm so uncomfortable even repeating the story. And to know that that actually happens and it happens in 2020 is mind blowing to me. And that is an example, and I'll give some warnings in a minute, but why the conversation has to be put out there so that we get out of this false sense of security that there's not an issue out in our, in our country. You know, it's knowing that a biracial person who may appear um, more fair skinned than their you know, black parent maybe that they don't experience the same thing. Well, guess what? They do because they still identify as a member of the black community. And then friends will say something to them like, Hey, well, you know how it is with those, you know, those people, um, they must be into drugs or this and other and making these kind of assumptions about people because of the color of their skin. Um, I could go on and on and on. And it's, it's very, very uncomfortable for me to, to talk about because I lived in this naive bubble. There wasn't an issue, Jerry, you know, because I believe that I am not racist, but yet you also have to acknowledge that in the world today, not every um, black individual has the same opportunities that people of the white community do. And I think a lot of people get mis have a misconception about the term white privilege. So mm -hmm. allow me go here for a minute with this hot topic. If, if you don't jump out of your seat first, because I've, I'm I'm forcing you yeah. into this uncomfortable thing. 
by the mere shade of the skin that I have, more opportunities are presented to me than if my skin were darker. And that comes potentially in the neighborhood that I live in, um, the school that I go to, and jobs that I'm given. It doesn't mean that members of the black community can't rise above all that because they absolutely can and become absolutely the best genius. You know, Ben Carson, if you look at him as the, the head of HUD today for our country, but you know, he actually is, you know, one of the world's most renowned, you know, neurosurgeons that actually is one of my best friend's uh, sons is a patient of his, was a patient of his. Mm -hmm there's brilliance out there, but there's far, a far bigger mountain to climb for a black individual growing up than a white individual. Um, and it's because of the biases that are put, put on people. Because if you go as far as to say that an agent is making the suggestion that somebody live in this neighborhood versus that neighborhood, because there are uh, more people like them there, then what will happen is the people in what I will refer to as, let's say, the black community or he more heavily black community will go to a school that probably does not have the same resources available as the white school. Okay, so it starts there. And that's where the systematic racism topic comes from. Mm -hmm. So depending on what school you come from could indicate kind of the, the level of education that you could go to after that, po you know, college, et cetera, and what college could lead to what job, et cetera. Those are the kind of things that have to be eradicated. And that's just the only word I can come up with. We've got yeah. to fix it at the core level. But here's where, Jerry, where I'm trying to go. I don't think any agent or any person I know is consciously making that choice and realizing that what they're doing is racist. You know, they think they're helping somebody out when in reality, they're, they're the problem. You know, yeah. it starts right then and there. Um, I've also unfortunately seen examples of where um, there may be somebody on the phone who reaches out to you. And if they don't have an accent one way or another, people will assume that they are of a, you know, a certain race based on, you know, how they talk. And when they identify that person as being somewhat different than them, then they start suggesting different solutions for them when it comes to housing uh, and different things. And also it comes up all the time with qualifications. People right. sometimes assume that people of the black community may not be able to afford what people of the white community can. And that is absolutely an atrocity. Have now, you seen that in your business, Jerry? Right. But here's what some reverse racism for a minute. Yep. I truly like there's some serious black wealth in Atlanta, Georgia. hundred percent. And usually I'm like, I know these guys have money and I know they're paying cash. Well, listen, Jerry, let's give an example of that in our athletes, market. Doctor, right there are a lot of athletes and doctors. Yeah. The last I mean, I, the, highest I priced record setting sales I, in Atlanta. Both were with African-American agents exactly. representing African-American buyers. And yeah. I rep, I work with, when I, there are a lot of listings I have, especially right now, in the two and a half million dollar price point, I'm dealing with more, I always say black because I have a thing about where are they from Africa and who's from Africa and right. just whatever. But that's not the point either because is that racist or not? I don't know. But I do have a lot more black buyers looking 
and if you looked at the ratio of, and this is in Atlanta, of my buyers, who's how many blacks and whites are looking at my higher price point listings and my light, lower price point listings, I'm dealing with a lot higher percentage of black people on the higher price point listings. And in my personal sphere of business, I often find those are the, some of my best clients, one of my actual favorite client was also my wealthiest client and was black and was fabulous. But again, I think that's, I only say that to say it's, I think there's just so it's back to the beginning of our conversation. There's so many perspectives. Well, and let's use the word assumption that there's just only one. We say assumptions, but stereotyping is, um, yeah, I kind of stereotype the opposite way for the opposite. And, and, you know, it, the, the, where, I, what needs I've to happen a, is I've a, had a lot of diversity in my life. A revelation of eradicating those kind of labels from people and identify people as people. Because even though you and I are using the terms white and black today, Jerry, there's lots of other there is colors. Nothing what about the rest white. of them? This is not white. We all this have different varying shades of all, every one of skin, us, you know, and not right. one person who identifies in the black community actually has black skin so that is where i'm saying that is a learned behavior and something like that has to be eradicated early on and i think well how do we and and here's the question it has to happen with conversations around the kitchen table at night at dinner you know at home teaching and education where where parents are in control of um educating their children about what is important and getting to know people for who they are because while they're members of the asian community and the Indian community, etc. Um, we all have varying skin tones. Let's get away from that in general. I also feel it's important to talk about lifestyle. You know, it is who are we to judge others? Because the only perfect person I know out there is Jesus Christ. Okay. And he's not on this earth at the moment. Okay. So we all have our faults. We all have our sins. And we all need to acknowledge that. And I mean people of the black community and people of the white community, et cetera. We're all guilty. We're all not perfect, you know. We also cannot be held accountable to those, to our ancestors who did horrible things, okay? We can only be accountable to what we do today. We have to learn from it, but we cannot be held accountable for it, you know. I love that you just brought that up, Bill, because I was thinking this morning before the interview, I I was thinking about, and literally this topic, like I have to pause because I literally will cry um, because I just have been so close to. But I think it's okay if you do cry because there is yeah. a lot of emotion out there. And I think what we're seeing now in the world is the pent up frustration of years of injustice and it. inequality and not talking about it. And well, I think, the fact is now there's a forum to talk about it. And when we well, don't but this is giving this, us a great opportunity. Correct. But if we don't use this opportunity, it is wasted. And these lives that are lost unnecessarily are wasted. But I think to your point, like when you talk about this, you, you, you fidget a little bit because it's it's, uncomfortable for me. Again, I'm a white man who's not perfect. Right. So who am I to be the authority? I am simply seeing my role as somebody who is a bit more enlightened at the moment because of talking to people um, and trying to use my platform to educate and help implement incremental change in the people that I interact with. And before, and before we get off of what you just said too, you know, there's a lot of power that we all hold, whatever shade of brown or whatever shade of skin color we have. Mm-hmm. I think we all have our own power. And by labeling people, I always, 
hesitate because I don't want to put a label on someone and by doing that imply that they have less power than they do as a human being. Also, your point, you know, this was something I was going to say, you were talking about the horrible things that were done in the past and they weren't just in this country, they were around the world. 100%. And, and that doesn't make it okay, that's worse. But the point is, I think there's a lot of pain and even subconscious, like on one end, that was then we weren't alive. I wasn't alive right. during segregation. We weren't educated at all. But, but I think I still carry an amount of, I think part of what maybe is so emotional for me is I remember my, you know, I went to school and sat next to as many black people, and there were some Mexican people, maybe a couple of Indian people, but as many black people as white people. When I grew up and went to school, I don't know many people today in my world that are doing that. I was raised by parents who were in a segregated world. And so I bring that up to say, you know, I have a high school class that we're, there are a few, I think we have a few more whites than blacks, but there's a lot of now integration, but we segregated ourselves growing up. Back to your point is that there's a lot of pain we carry in what happened the same way there's a lot of pain that the black community carries in, in it when I don't want to label, but in this case, that is where it is relevant in what happened and how can we all come together and just realize like, Hey guys, like we are the human race and we all love one another and how can we do better by one another when it comes to this topic to better uplift and empower, you know, I've heard a lot of pointing and I think why point when you can embrace, I hear blaming and I hear why, why would you, why, you know, why blame when you can empower? And I hear about a lot of problems and I think about, we've got all these problems and like you, Bill, you've taken this as a real uncomfortable, but opportunity. You know, there's a lot of labeling. I feel like it's a responsibility that I have. I'm going to tell you. But how do we, and then how do we not label? Yes, we need to recognize and own it, but how to, in doing that, we make sure we're not just resegregating, but we're actually uniting. Okay. So let me give you an example of where I, you know, where I failed early on in my um, journey of enlightenment. And that's that in one of my meetings, I, um, because I was very uncomfortable even using the word black. Okay. So first off me using that word is a big step forward. And so I was not comfortable using the term black lives matter. So I fell into my own mess because I said all lives matter. Well, Mm -hmm. the analogy that, that Deshaun shared with me using that as a story is, is that if, if on a street, there were five houses. Okay. And one of them is burning and four of them are not, you know, you don't say that all houses matter, you know, we've got to deal with the one that's on fire because that one's burning down. And right now that fire is the attention has got to be on the black community because that is where we're going to learn from it. While all lives do matter, that's kind of not the point right now. We need to be focused on ensuring that, um, members of our black community reach levels of equality that they've never seen before because the journey for total equality and total justice, we've not yet reached that finish line, you know? And I think we have to hope and pray that we can be part of that journey till, 
till we reach that finish line. But we've still got a long way to go. And so it, it, along the way, I've gotten my hand slapped because I haven't done things um, the right way. But because I have acknowledged that um, I don't know it all and want to learn, every conversation like this that is terribly uncomfortable will allow hopefully one of our viewers out there to take that step, Jerry, to have that deep conversation with a black friend of theirs and ask them, what is it like for you growing up? Another very powerful one, and this is more personal, not necessarily real estate related, Jerry, but um, for, unfortunately, a lot of the assumption is that black men are scary, okay? And that the cops don't particularly like black men as a result, and they get pulled over, they get tickets more. So, you know, while your children and my children are not quite yet the age where they're going to be driving, when you have to first have that conversation with them about driving and learning, what I've recently learned is the conversation that a black mother has with their black son regarding driving and what to do if they get pulled over is a completely different conversation, Jerry, than what you or I would have, you know? Um, and it has to do with making sure communication is appropriate and that there's no fast movements or anything like that. Um, because the assumption will be because of stereotyping that the black child will be up to something no good. And maybe that that black child has a weapon and is going to hurt the person. Whereas we wouldn't go into that conversation the same way. That is where we need a greater sense of awareness that, that we're not where we need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, at this point well, and got to ask the tough questions and understand what it's like um, to be black in our world today. That, that bring, that, that's a loaded topic. I'm not I disagreeing aware of, I have, and not just, I am not claiming to be enlightened, but I have been aware of that my entire life. But I mean, I've been, you know, I've been very much, I am, you know, very much white privilege all of that, maybe it's the white guilt that makes me cry, some people would say, but at the end of well, the day- Well, let's say this too, Jerry, real quick. Yeah. White privilege does not mean that somebody grew up with wealth or has money. Right, no, and I, one right. thing, you know, a lot of people out there think that white privilege is just opportunities that are created because of the colors of your skin. It has nothing to do with what's in your wallet or in your bank account. So go ahead, I'm right. sorry. Well, we could be careful because we could also, you know, it, 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 it frankly goes both ways. And that's where I 100%. take away the labeling. There are lots of scholarships that have been handed out. You know, I have a husband who didn't get opportunities because he wasn't black, mm -hmm. because that was an opportunity for black people. And they didn't have enough room for white people, even though he was more qualified than the black person. And that's where we start labeling. And that's where it becomes a problem. And I know there are like, for those people listening, I've just upset a lot of people from both, from every direction. And then it comes back to, you know, I was listening to the Dalai Lama and he talked about, you know, where does anger come from? And he said, anger comes from when you have a misperception about a perspective. As you see a perspective and you have a perception of something as reality and it's not. And it's, we all have perspectives on things, but at the end of the day, you know, what is the reality about the situation and how can we, and it goes back to how do we figure out how to, not pretend everything's okay right. when it's not, but how do we not label, but label because we're clearly yeah. doing that or we wouldn't be having this conversation. Well, I think what you, you said something I'd love to touch on. A lot of our viewers right now are, are judging us 
because of words that are coming out of our mouth one way or another right. and challenging each and every one of them. Which and what sense. I would encourage that our viewers do is appreciate the fact that we've acknowledged that we're not the experts in this. We're not telling everybody how to feel, um, but them judging us for things that we're saying is really what the root of the problem is. And instead, I encourage them to be courageous enough to step out of their comfort zone. And that's every color. This kind of difficult, it's, it's all every colors. Every ethnicity, every human. Everyone, that's all step different. out of your comfort zone to have the difficult conversation. And it's a face-to-face -face conversation. And granted, Zoom is still face-to-face. -face. I'm, you know, watching you were interacting because in the world that we're in, obviously there's not as much um, live have a lot of listeners. communication listeners that's, that's out there. Yeah. But it's important that I would love our viewers to be able to have the courage to step out of their comfort zone and do this, knowing that it's uncomfortable. And guess what? You have to acknowledge along the way that you're going to make some mistakes and ask for forgiveness. So right now, if I have offended anybody on the call, please accept my forgiveness. It's out of my naivete, not intention. Um, but yeah. the only way that you and I and others will get better at this is to learn and step out um, and make the effort to and, um, to try to implement the change. It's and I, for what it's worth, I, you know, I hope that we all do that. I don't think, you know, obviously there is a definite, there's a definite, there's a, there's a definite issue and, and there's, in the black community, it can, it is statistically true that there's more crime. It's statistically true that there's more poverty. So, but at the same time, I don't want to use that and say, that means you're less worthy because that's what you're, you had. That means that we, let's embrace, but how do we stop seeing color? Right. And how do we embrace and empower and stop pointing and blaming? And how do we all become as individuals self-aware and how do we stop judging whatever our color what whatever our situation how do we embrace and empower how do we see this problem as an opportunity and how can we help make sure everybody does that right. and how do we stop judging i think it's so it's human right. nature to do that or here's right. the thing the core of our industry is to build community and to um, yeah. allow people to create new community amongst one another. And that's why I think in our industry, and I'm, you know, most of your viewers on here are going to be members of the real estate community. Um, we have a responsibility through our code of ethics and that while all that lies below us is land, we need all people to be truly treated equally. Okay. And infiltrate our communities with the diversity that this country was built upon you know and it starts with each and every one of us with every interaction we have with another individual that we have if things are done properly we've grown as a community and we've inched forward in the process but if we see things that aren't done properly we have to stop it see something say something don't let it continue. Otherwise, even though you may think you're not the racist, you are in fact part of the problem. So I would really encourage everyone out there to see what kind of difference they can make today by stepping out of their box and um, seeing how they can help others. I can agree more, Bill. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I like have a final three, but that really wrapped it up. And everybody, I apologize to everybody 
if we've said anything, but let's bring it all to light or let's just figure out how to not need to apologize too much. Right. And not judge. Well, let's do this, Jerry. I'm open to feedback. I, you know, if viewers yeah. don't agree with things that I've said, then that's an opportunity for me to learn and you to learn. So, you know, I think all of us can be open to constructive criticism in terms of education, you know, not bashing, but in terms of education, enlighten us if we, you know, if our stance on things and let's are all, and let's improper, all but similarly, yeah. if we are headed down the right path with, with trying to enlighten and educate others, then, hey, tell us that too, because we'd love some positive reinforcement on change that we're making. Right. Awesome. And I think everybody for everybody, let's unite. It is. As I said early on, we are a beautiful tapestry of colors and fabrics of different lifestyles, um, countries of origin, et cetera. But this country was built on immigrants coming here, many with nothing. And the land of opportunity in the United States is better than any other country in the world. Let's stop tearing it down and work together to continue to have us be the best place in the world to live. All right, now I keep trying to close this out, but I do have to read this one quote that I think is beautiful. And if you don't, you need to, you need to tell me what it is, but if you do- I'll give you the feedback that I'm asking for from others. How's that? Condoleezza Rice, I actually had the privilege of meeting her a few years ago, but this is a quote I found that she put, that she said on July 4th. I don't know when she said it, but I saw it on July 4th and I shared it on July 4th, but it really touched me and it is, the essence of America, that which really unites us, is not an ethnicity or nationality or religion. It is an idea, and what an idea it is. I'm going to cry. That if you come from humble circumstances, even if you that if you come from her that you come, that if you come from humble circumstances, you can still do great things. Amen. And that is what we're all here together for, to unite. You know, we are all of God's children and we need to work together. Thank, Thank you, so Jerry. Much. It's been a great opportunity and I appreciate you um, including me in it as Thank part you. of the journey. Hey, this was your idea. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. So conversation much. that we need to need to have with people. So. Well, thank you for doing it. And thank you for having the courage. Thank you. And thank each of you. And again, I'm, I'm serious. I would love some feedback one way or another. I want, I'm on this journey of learning. And the best way to do that is to hear from, um, Everybody. from our fellow people out there. So yes. Thank you so much. Thank you.